Hey everyone. Welcome to another episode of Roopsha Reads Between the Lines. I hope you are doing well as the winter approaches in the northern hemisphere. Tell me one thing. Have you ever contemplated the events of your life? Of course you did. Everyone does so. Everyone comes to this juncture in life at least once when one thinks about the wrongdoings done to him. Or everyone may not admit, but one also thinks about the misdeeds done by him. And worrying is an amazingly common ailment when it comes to clinical psychology. And many a times it begins with a negativity. Sometimes a mere what if. And when an adult fights over the musings of childhood wrongdoings, the pathetic situation has no bounds. Suppose yourself being as young as a 13-year-old girl. A girl who always is being wrapped around by a safe and consoling cocoon of parents love and suddenly a mysterious act of grown-ups make her do something absolutely terrible which in time changes everything around her today i'm going to talk about a book a shortlister arguably one of the best writings of contemporary british fictions the book opens on a blistering summer day in England in 1935 on the brink of World War II it primarily tells about a 13 year old girl Brioni Brioni is imaginative and has a powerful edge towards literature with a grace of a budding novelist intellectually brilliant yet naive in sexuality has made her clueless and delusional Moreover the surrounding incidents involving her sister Cecilia and her beau Robbie has made her hopelessly sad and bewildered which in turn makes her take a horrendous step At first when she pushed open the door and stepped in she saw nothing at all The only light was from a single green glass desk lamp which illuminated little more than the tooled leather surface on which it stood. When she took another few steps, she saw them. Dark shapes in the farthest corner. Though they were immobile, her immediate understanding was that she had interrupted an attack, a hand-to-hand fight. The scene was so entirely a realization of her worst fears that she sensed that an overanxious imagination has projected the fingers onto the packed spines of books. This illusion or hope of one was dispelled as her eyes adjusted to the gloom. No one moved. Brioni stared past Robbie's shoulder into the terrified eyes of her sister. He had turned to look back at the intruder. but he did not let Cecilia go. He had pushed his body against hers, pushing her dress right up above her knee and had trapped her where the shelves met at right angles. It was what Brioni was seeing and she ends up 
wrongly accusing Robbie as being a sexual predator. Later, she tries to atone for destroying her sister and Robbie's life by writing a novel featuring them. She tries to recreate the summer's night so that the lovers never get obliterated in despair. At least on the pages of paper, Although Cecilia gets herself detached from the family and ends up serving as a nurse in war-torn London, while Robbie ends up in the frontline British Army serving in Dunkirk. And here comes his contemplating the what-ifs over and over. As he approached, it occurred to him that it might be perfect for his letter to precede him into the house. Otherwise, he might have to pass it to Cecilia and company, watched perhaps by her mother, who had been rather cool towards him since he came down. Or he might be unable to give the letter to Cecilia at all because she would be keeping her distance. If Brioni gave it to her, she would have time to read it and reflect in private. The few extra minutes might soften her. Uh, I was wondering if you do me a favor he said as he came up to her. She nodded and waited. Will you run ahead and give this note to see? He put the envelope into her hand as he spoke and she took it without a word. I'll be there in few minutes, he started to say, but she had already turned and was running across the bridge. He leaned back against the parapet and took out a cigarette as he watched her bobbing and receding from fade into the dusk. It was an awkward age in a girl, he thought contently. Twelve? Or was it thirteen? He lost sight of her for a second or two, then saw her as she crossed the island, highlighted against the darker mass of the trees. Then he lost her again, and it was only when she reappeared on the far side of the second bridge and was leaving the drive to take a shortcut across the grass that he stood suddenly seized by the horror and absolute certain. An involuntary, wordless shout left him as he took a few hurried steps along the drive, faltered, ran on, then stopped again, knowing that pursuit was pointless. He could no longer see her as he cupped his hands around his mouth and bellowed Brioni's name. That was pointless too. He stood there, straining his eyes to see her, as if that would help and straining his memory too, desperate to believe that he was mistaken. But there was no mistake. The handwritten letter he had rested on the open copy of Grey's Anatomy. Splanknology section, page 1546. The Vagina. Atonement by Ian Mackman is based on three key facts of life. Imagination, ignorance and storytelling. Moreover, it tells about the power of stories, how a story can destroy as well as how it can heal. Perceiving a situation and being judgmental can be proven delusional as held. Atonement is not a regular war novel with a streak of romance embalmed in misfortune. But it's much more than that. The psychological aspect dealing with a 13-year-old girl's dilemma 
and thought for something to look out to actually the steamy and hugely impactful sexual tension between cecilia and robbie takes up a tiny portion of the book but the theme of wrongful appraisal by a girl resonates so well that there is no escaping from getting emotionally involved in the lives of the characters in reality atonement is devastating story about wrong doings for which there is no atonement especially when the heart-wrenching travesty has been committed by a girl who is barely out of childhood i took my sweet time to glide over the pages of this book as it took more than average time of reading i could not skim through the pages without being smitten by the lush narrative laden with clever symbolism and turned the pages of robbie's musings over and over about surviving at the body of men no breaking ranks no rushing the boats no first come first served no devil takes the highmost no sound of boats as they cross the sand to the tide line in the rolling surf willing hands to steady the gunwale as their mates climbed in but it was a tranquil sea and now that he himself was calm of course he saw how fine it really was that she was waiting arithmetic be damned i'll wait for you was elemental it was the reason he had survived it was the ordinary way of saying she would refuse all other men only you come back he remembered the feel of the gravel through his thin soled shoes he could feel it now and the icy touch of the handcuffs on his wrists he and the inspector stopped by the car and turned at the sound of her steps how could he forget that green dress how it clung to the curve of her hips and hampered her running and showed the beauty of her shoulders whiter than the mist it didn't surprise him that the police let him talk he didn't even think about it he and cecilia behaved as though they were alone she would not let herself cry when she was telling him that she believed him she trusted him she loved him he said to her simply that he would not forgive this by which he meant to tell her how grateful he was especially then especially now then she put her finger on the handcuffs and she said she wasn't ashamed there was nothing to be ashamed of she took a corner of his lapel and gave it a little shake and this was when she said i'll wait for you come back she meant it i hope you pick this book sona thank you for being patient thank you for everything that's all for today bye bye and take care until the next episode of root charades between the lines